Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. You may be seated tonight. Amen. I know that you guys have been through about three or four weeks of uh, study on giving. And um, guys, that'll change your world. If you can get a hold of First Fruits Giving, it'll truly change your world. It really, really will. Push Pay, I have found Push Pay to be the First Fruits friend. I mean, as soon as I get my, my money, it goes right out by Push Pay. But um, Pastor Lyle and Allison. I'm so thankful and so proud of you guys. And I, I say that today with such respect and honor for both of you. And um, what you guys are doing, I, I can't wait 10 years from now to see. I enjoy the process. I, I try to enjoy the process. I try to enjoy the process. But 10 years from now, we're going to look around and we're going to say, my God, look what the Lord has done. Amen. And I'm um, very, very thankful and so honored to have also my son Spencer with us. He's, of course, residing now in Dallas, Texas for a season of his life. And I'm glad he's with us tonight as well. And uh, my wife, Melissa, she's still in Owensboro this evening. We're, we're getting ready for a big week at Vacation Bible School. And um, I mean, the whole church has been transformed into a cave, 20,000 feet of cave, if you can imagine what that looks like, with stalactites and stalagmites, and I still don't know which hangs down and which comes up, but nonetheless, one or the other, uh, they're all there, and and, uh, we've turned hallways into caveways, and it just looks awesome. But I want to talk to us tonight, I really feel like that God gave me this to follow up after your series of some cultural points that I know that Pastor Lyle has been dealing with and that, that I as well want to follow up with, with a cultural point of what I feel is very, very strongly in our DNA. And I want to talk tonight about relationships. Is that okay? Yeah. Let's talk about relationships for a little while. And um, I... I felt like in prayer that God said, when you speak this message, you speak this message with authority. So I want you to know tonight that I intend to speak this message with authority, not arrogance, don't misunderstand, but to let you know that there's something that's very, very important that, uh, that we all need to tap into in our relationships. I have four points that I'm going to bring to you tonight, and those four points are actually separation points. And so whenever we talk about relationship and then you say your four points are on separation, that seems to be a paradox. It seems to be uh, as far as east is from the west. But I really want to bring forth these four separations tonight that we find in the book of Genesis chapter number 22, uh, dealing with Abraham and dealing with the Lord and the covenant that the Lord made with Abraham. And I think that you're going to find this very intriguing. Because relationships are actually probably outside the Holy Spirit and God doing what He's done in us through salvation. is probably the saving grace to every human being in this room. Because fellowship is supernatural. There's something about fellowship that brings a supernatural grace to our life. That is very, very powerful. That we can't do life alone. We cannot do life without fellowship. We can't do life without great relationships. 
And so there's something very powerful in this. And I hope that you'll give me your attention for just a little while this evening. Dealing with Abraham and the covenant that God made with Abraham. A covenant is, a, is something that is, it's a promise or it's a vow. It's between two people or two entities, if I may. And this relationship that I'm talking about tonight with Abraham is that of a man and of our God. And whenever God made this relationship with Abraham, he made a covenant with Abraham. And in this covenant, whenever God makes a covenant, it can never be broken. So the covenant that God made with you can never be broken. And what I read, we can find, and I'm actually not going to read this, a different set of scripture, but whenever we read in the book of Genesis about God and his covenant with Abraham, and we can also follow that up in the book of Galatians and Paul's writings. And whenever we find that what God did for Abraham and what he also passed on to the new covenant church through the faith of Abraham and the covenant that God made with him, we find that there are three things that God did with Abraham and promised Abraham. These three things, not my point or my focus tonight, but I want you to write these down if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are. God's covenant with Abraham promised three things. Number one, elevation. Number two, provision. And number three, dominion. God promised these three things whenever he came into covenant with us. And that cannot be broken. So every one of us in this room tonight have the promise of elevation. God's not going to leave you where you were. God's going to elevate you and make your life worth living greater than you ever thought that it would be. God's not only going to do that, but God's also going to bring provision into your life like only God can bring. So whenever we begin to talk about giving and we begin to talk about these, what I'm going to call a cultural point of giving is one of our very values that we take very, very strongly and very, very seriously here. Whenever we begin to realize this, I want you to realize tonight that we're not just asking you or begging you for money. I want you to know tonight that when God gets involved with your money, it's not just addition. It becomes a quantum uh, multiplication in your life. Because when God gets involved in that, no man can stop that. Because when God gives you a promise, God can follow through with his promises. So God's promised provision. And then he's promised us dominion in every area of our lives. We have control. If we will seize and take control through the authority of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb of God, we have dominion over everything in our life. God's promised these, these three things and promises in our life. Although that's not my focus, I want you to realize tonight these are three promises that God gave to us. But what I do want to talk about tonight is something I feel like is so valuable. Whenever I begin to consider this, and I put a lot of research into this. I, I, literally, I didn't have to preach last Wednesday, so I've got a whole week of study involved here. And that's not normal for me. Two or three days is about the extent of it. But what I want to talk about is from the time frame from whenever Abraham and God made this covenant, what Abraham's life looked like with his friends and with his neighbors and his loved ones at that point forward. What did life look like from a perspective of relationships for Abraham after the covenant that God made with him? What did it look like from that point forward? Abraham's relationship with God transcended every other relationship in his life. So in other words, if you have yet not put God first in your life and he's not somewhere trickling in the background that whenever I, it's convenient for me or whenever something, whenever all the stars and moons are all lined up, then I'm going to give my, God my best. I want you to know tonight, God must be first if you are going to walk in the authority whereby God has given you. So my focus this evening is about community, it's about relationship, and it's about what it looks like and about what it costs. What does relationship cost? Have you stopped to think about it for a moment? What does relationship really cost us as Christians? 
Now, I want you to follow along with me, if you will, and I'm sure that it'd possibly be on the screen if they can find it very quickly. I know they don't have my notes, but I'm reading out of Genesis 22, 1 through 19, 19 verses this evening. I'm reading out of the NIV tonight. Notice with me these 19 verses. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, point of reference, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Then he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering and he set it, excuse me, and he set out for the place that God had told him about. In verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw a place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I, while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering into the place, into, um, excuse me, and the place, and he placed it, excuse me, on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife, point of reference, as, as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and he said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself may provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it and he bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And then he reached out in his hand and he, he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up there in the thicket and he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's a side note, but if you go to Israel today and if you ask any of the locals about the Mount of God, whenever we read about that, and you ask about the Mount of God, they will point you to Jerusalem. Because where the, where the uh, Dome of the Rock is, right there on the top of that mount, is exactly where we read about in this context of Scripture. There's something very familiar about this context of Scripture with this as of what Isaac was going to be slain upon this mountain. It's also the very place that Christ was slain as well. And we find the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham, verse 15. Let's drop down to verse 17. And I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And though your offspring and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. 
And then Abraham returned to his servants. And they set off together to Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. 19 verses that sets the context of what I want to talk with you tonight about relationship. Turn to your neighbor and say relationship. Here we find and we see the path of covenant and the seasons. Now get this. We see the seasons of separation that we go through in our relationships because of our devotion to God. We find out throughout these 19 verses, we find the seasons and the path of really what it looks like to be devoted to God. Now let us consider for just a moment, point one, let us consider tonight the separation of sons. The separation ultimately happens when God is growing on the inside of us. And whenever we allow God to grow in us and whenever we are putting things down and letting God become more of all of our life, becoming more of who we are, becoming that developer of our character, becoming that that becomes our strength. Instead of leaning, instead of us leaning onto ourselves, we begin to lean more into God about everything that we do in life. Instead of looking at it from a fleshly carnal aspect, we begin to look at it and say, well, maybe what would God do in this circumstance? We begin to lean more into God. God's growing in us. Abraham, we, we know that, that this the son of Isaac wasn't his only son. If you know scripture, you know that Ishmael was already on the scene. Ishmael was, uh, had already been born. He was already. So why does scripture say your son, your only son, Isaac? We know that Ishmael was born of Hagar, the bondservant. And we realize, and I realize, and I hope that you do as well, that if you remember the story, Abraham and Sarah... They decided that they were going to help God out in his promise to them. And therefore they took the bondservant, Hagar, and they had had a son by the name of Ishmael. And Ishmael was on the scene. And so yet, or thus my point, the separation of sons. God had two different plans for each of these two sons. God had two different plans. We had Ishmael. But Ishmael was already out of the house. Ishmael was no longer really in the house. And a Jewish tradition speaks and tells us that if you have a son, which is actually your son, but he's out of his house and he's, uh, he's already been sent on his way, you can really no longer categorize him as a son of the house. And so therefore, Ishmael was already sent out with Hagar. And he, by tradition, was no longer really considered a son of the house. But what God was really saying, a little deeper meaning to this, God was really saying, he was simply saying this. He says, I want what I promised you. I, I don't want your mistake. I want what, you, what I promised you by faith, that you've got to dig deep and give me something that I want that only faith produced. I don't want... Ishmael. Ishmael had his reason, his season, his life. His, and God even blessed Abraham's, what I want to say, mistake. But there was something more powerful about the son of promise. And so there's a point here tonight that I think we really need to consider. It's so often easy to give God our mistakes because we it's easy. And I'm not even saying, honestly, that Ishmael would have been easy to give up because it's still his flesh and blood. But yet, it was not the promise that God had given to Abraham. It was still a mistake. And it's easy to give our mistakes sometime and say, God, why don't you just take this mistake and we can just call this a, a good sacrifice. 
But God's saying, no, 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 no. I, I don't want your mistake. I want what it took faith from you to produce. Something that costs you something that you had to believe for that no man could give you. It was something that I had to give you or it would have never come to place. I, that's what I want. I want that thing that you're the closest to. The difference was Sarah. The difference was Sarah because Sarah was part of the promise. Sarah was part of the seed. Sarah was part of something that Abraham was supposed to be entwined with to the point that God was going to use that 90-year-old womb which was dead and that 100-year-old man which is his productivity from his loins was should have been dead but God said I'll make life live where it seems to be dead if you will allow me to take the time and the moment I'll put life in your dead thing and God begins to use these old people. I feel the Holy Ghost. The difference between Ishmael and Isaac was their mama. Sarah was supposed to be a part of the play. She, she was supposed to be a part of what was going on. She was part of the seed that God was promising. And the first separation is the separation of sons. God is interested in our devotion and our obedience. Can I ask you a question? What does God mean to you? No, 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 no. Let, let's strip it all out. Let's get rid of all the excuses and let's get rid of all the cynicism and let's get rid of all the hurt and let's get rid of all the pain and let's get rid of all the stuff of why you feel the way you feel in your heart because somebody's done you wrong. Some preacher, some teacher, some wife, some husband, some child. Let's strip it down. Now I want to know, what does God mean to you? Is he a crutch for something that it's social or is God the main thing? God said, offer me what you believed me for. Not what you produced by your flesh. God wants our undivided attention. He wants it all. What does God want? He wants all of you. But whenever you give God all of you, it's amazing what God becomes to us when we put him first. Life becomes easier. If you want a good marriage, make your marriage holy. If your marriage is holy, you'll have a happy marriage. If your relationships are holy, you'll have great relationships. No, 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 no. You say, well, pastor, how in the world are you talking about separation of sons making this about relationships? Now, if you'll allow me these four points, I think at the end I can bring this together. My second point, the separation of household. The separation of household. You'll notice that Sarah was not invited on this journey. Now, as I use my wife as the example this morning, she usually sits on the front row on my right about where Nick is today. So, Nick, you're, you're my wife tonight. 
Now, if, 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 if I were to say that she had nothing to do with the four sons that I have, she would probably take me home after service and give me a good whacking or beating because she would say, you don't know the pain I went through, have them boys. I'll tell you right now. So to say that Sarah had no part is not true, but there was a part to whereby that God said, Sarah, you did your job at this season, at this point. But right now, I'm going to take Abraham and your only son, the promised son, Isaac, and we're going to go on a little further. Separation of household. You ever notice that life is a journey and in the beginning, people oftentimes are they're there to help. They're, they're everywhere. I mean, you turn around and there's people going, hey, I want to be a part. I want to come along. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And then give it a little time. Give it a little heartache. Give a little pressure. And then you look around and they're no longer there. Why? Because it's about sacrifice. And that's what God's asking. God's saying, if you really want relationship, it's really about sacrifice. Not everyone is going where you're going. And it's okay. Doesn't make me better than you. Doesn't make me special. It doesn't make your neighbor special just because you're not going where they're going or they're going where you're going. But it is, is that we all have our own track to run on. We all have our own path. We all have our own call. We all have our own anointing. We all have our own purpose. And not everybody's going where you're going. They just can't go with you where you're going. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. They're just part of the story of your life, but they just can't go any further. It's the separation of household. It's about being able to let go and let God do what he wants to do. It's about sacrifice, point number three. Now let's talk about separation of companions. The servants, the companions... The servants in the story, if you'll, if you'll remember, was left at the base of the mountain. And at the base of the mountain, in my mind, these servants were, they were friends. They were people that very possibly Abraham and Isaac sitting around the fire in the evenings and talking and doing the daily chores and doing the things that they did. They had spent a great deal of time with these servants. They, they were more than just servants. They were close people to them. They lived in a tent. They lived around the fire. They, they lived and did life together. Servants and sons at this point are separated. Have you ever been a servant in someone's life? Have you ever been a servant in someone's life? Last week I, I had preached the 9 a.m. service and, and I had just finished and I realized my wife was over here and she was doing things that was a normal. She was talking to people and giving direction and, and telling people what to do. And I said, so what is she up to? But I just kept preaching. And, and, and so I finished the 9 a.m. service, and, and she rushed straight to me right as soon as I finished. And she said, your mom is fixing. She, my mother just had open-heart surgery six weeks ago. And this was last Sunday. And she said, your mother's going back into open-heart surgery again. She has a bleed. They think she's bleeding out. Fluid is collecting rapidly. She's going into emergency surgery. And so I had to leave right after I didn't get to preach the second service, which is our large service, our larger service of the, of the two. 
And so I called on a friend to preach the second service. He did a wonderful job. But my point was is that I rushed straight to the hospital right after that 9 o'clock service. And I went into that pre-op room. And there she lay on this, on this bed and with the, with the nurses around her prepping her, getting ready to take her to surgery. And I just offered a, a, a prayer of healing and prayer with her at that moment. But there was a separation point. There was a point to whereby I had prayed, I had loved, I had kissed. But there was a point where she had to carry her own weight. She had to go with the surgeon into the surgery operating room. I couldn't go there. I couldn't go in. My story with her in that life experience was over. I had to let her go and she had to carry that pain, that whatever she was feeling, she had to go on her own. I'm talking to some of you in this room today. I, nor Pastor Lyle or Allison, I cannot die on every mountain. And I want you to stop expecting people to die on the mountain that God has called you to climb. Because God has called all of us for a purpose. But whenever we expect people to climb the mountain that only you can climb, it is unfair for you to hold people hostage and try to get them to do things that only you can do for yourself. I can only go so far with you. I can only teach the word so much. I can only give as much sacrifice in your life and in my life that God will allow me to give and to sacrifice. But I want you to know something today. I'm going to be like the companions, the servants, that after you've ascended that mountain and that you've conquered your own sacrifice, I'm going to be there with binoculars looking for you to come back down after your sacrifice, waiting on you, cheering you on, saying, come on, you can do it. I know you can do it. I'm waiting for you to come back after your sacrifice. I can't go with you. You've got to go on your own. But I promise you when you get done, whenever you've sacrificed, whenever you've paid the price, whenever you've done everything you can, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be here waiting on you whenever you've paid your cost of your sacrifice. I want you to notice with me that Abraham was carrying fire and a knife. If I may, the keeper of the flame. Very possibly the very knife that he had circumcised his whole household with. Very possibly the family knife, the family blade, the family knife. It carried such power and authority. And Abraham was carrying the blade and the fire. Now notably, physically not heavy. Because there was Isaac. After they had left the servants and the donkey... They loaded the wood on the back of Isaac, notably much heavier. So now you have father and son. 
on their way to a sacrifice that notably there was a difference of responsibility. I see something here between the struggles in relationship between generations. When we are young and strong and can feel like all the weight is on our shoulders, all of the responsibility and none of the authority. Are you listening to me? All the weight, all the wood, Abraham, all you got's a stinking thing of fire and a knife, and I'm packing this wood all up this mountain. This don't seem fair. This doesn't look right, doesn't seem fair. Why can't you take at least a couple little pieces of wood? Just something to help me out. This is getting heavy. Abraham didn't offer, the Bible doesn't teach us, but Abraham didn't offer his help. Abraham was carrying the elements of authority. Abraham was carrying, now you listen to this. Abraham was carrying the danger of authority and what he had been asked to do. The comparison of the generations. It's interesting in my fourth point and final point tonight of how the divide of labor, how the divide of labor, the separation apart, it seems wood, fire, blade, it seems benign and actually is to some degree, but when you put the two together, you get supernatural power. You get something that is so powerful that can go beyond what one can do on its own into something that is so very, very powerful. Isaac's, Isaac finally, in my mind, came to a conclusion at some point and he had to have said something of this nature. I see everything but the sacrifice, Dad. Where? Is the sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? Partnership completes everything. Partnership. You want to know what relationship's about? Partnership. Partnership completes everything. Partnership can never be forced to work. Separation by God... And then submission to each other. Come on. I'm digging in you right now. So I want you to pay attention. I've only got about 15 more minutes. Hang in there. And then separation. Question. Where is your sacrifice? I'm talking about relationships. I'm I'm, I'm, this, I'm talking about relationships. Where's your sacrifice? I don't have time. I, I, I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to, I got to, I got to. You see a common point there? I. Sometimes it's about the sacrifices that you make 
that God says, I'll use that in this relationship. And if you really want to know what it's like to have a powerful life in Christ, it's about sacrificial relationships. It's, it's about living life with each other. It's about somebody carrying the wood and somebody carrying the fire and the knife and about the two of them coming together. And let's just see what God will do if we can get this thing together. I wonder, I wonder what would happen if, if, if we could all just for a moment get on the same page. I'm not saying we didn't or not. I'm just simply saying I wonder what would happen Isaac finally realizes that he's the sacrifice. Isaac probably, now, you've got to get the picture. I'm going to give you this picture as I come into a close. You've got to get the picture. I, Isaac is 33 years old. 33. Anybody in here 33? A man. Any man in here 33? Come up here real quick. Now, I'm 51. I mean, now, you know, <laughs> that's right. I don't want to take this dude on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think I can take him, but. I'm just saying, Isaac has been carrying wood. You got a hundred, he's, he's another double my age. He's a hundred. A hundred-year-old man and a 33-year-old dude. And Isaac could have been, you know what? I don't want to do this. And old man, I ain't going to do this. Because I'm bigger than you. I can take you out. You think you're going to take me out? I can take you out. Nobody will know. We'll just say we, uh, that God called and that one to sacrifice Abraham. Walk back down the mountain. I'm 33. I'm strong. And I got talent. And I can play the drums. And I can sing. I can preach. I can teach. I can do everything those guys on the platform do. I can do everything that guy with that legacy shirt on can do. I can do all those things. I don't want to die. Thank you. I don't want to die. Strong. No doubt in my mind, the scripture doesn't record, but no doubt in my mind, Isaac may have played this in his mind for at least a moment. If Isaac wanted to fight the sacrifice, he could have, but he didn't. The Bible says he actually laid down. And then I'm going to lay down. I don't know if you're getting this. Like God was dealing with me about this all week. But I'm telling you right now. There's something about laying down. Isaac. I want you to write this down. This is a tweetable comment. <laughs> Isaac submitted to the sharp edges of relationship. Isaac submitted to the sharp edges of relationship. And I think tonight in this room that I'm talking to some Isaacs. I think I'm talking to some Isaacs in this room tonight. Some of you have pitched your tent on the top of the mountain waiting for another Abraham. 
He don't know what he's talking about. He's just an old man. He's out of season. He don't understand what I'm going through today. This is a different era of time. If you're coming to play for me, I love that. It's perfect. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That old fogey, he's out of season. He doesn't dress like I dress. Guys, I'm not ever going to dress the way you do. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not going to grow my hair down to here and put it in a bun. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not being mad. I'm just saying. That's just, I, I'm from a different era. That's right. But I want you to understand tonight, there's something about the Isaacs. <clears throat> there's no more Abrahams. The word of God for you is the word of God for you. You don't have an alternative. You don't have another Abraham. You don't have another father. You don't have another scheme. You don't have another plot. You can't do it any other way. God's already told you ten times exactly what to do and you haven't did it yet. How many times do you have to hear different people say the same thing? I learned a long, some years ago, how long, but some years ago, that I asked some leaders that I honor in my life, hey, how, how do you think I should do this? And after about two or three people, look at me and go, Jeff, you just got to walk it out. That's not what I want to hear. I want you to give me $100,000 so I can put in those new seats. No, no, Jeff, I'm not giving you hundred grand. You got to walk that out. God will take care of that. Well, that's the process. Some of you are looking for someone to remove you. And God's saying, I ain't removing you. He's looking for someone to come and, and rescue you when you only can be rescued by the Lord. Looking for something that no man can do for you. Quit looking at men and look at God and say, God, I need a greater relationship for, with you that is going to take some sacrifice that I've never given before. But whenever I give it, my life is going to change. I know, but it's hard. Provision does not show up until you lay down and look up. Do you, do you see Jesus in this? Do you, do you see, do you see Christ in this picture? He could have called legions of angels, but he didn't. He hung there. He hung there. And he said, I do this sacrifice for you because I want a relationship with you. My relationship can only be as strong as my sacrifice relationship. I've noticed in leadership and pastoring over the years, I've seen, I've seen some Isaacs in my ministry. I'm rooting them on 
They've got it. They've got the anointing. They pray. They've studied. They've called out on God and God has answered them many times. They are at their place of convergence in their life with God. That God is going to open up an effectual door that no man can open and no man can close. They're right there. I'm saying you can do it. You can do it. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. I've got to stand and I've got... I've got to stand and I've got to watch. And I'm praying for you. I'm encouraging you. I'm pushing you. You can do this. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And then comes sacrifice. Then comes sacrifice. I don't have to do this. I'm anointed. I'm called. I can sing, I can preach, I can teach, I can this and I can that. I know you can do all of those things. But will you lay down? Will you lay down? Qualification always comes before multiplication. Lay down. Abraham risked everything and Isaac played his part perfectly you say how did Abraham risk everything because if I took my youngest Spencer and I took him up the hill and I said Spence God's asking me for a sacrifice and that sacrifice is you I have just risked my relationship. Because if he doesn't accept from that point forward, we got an issue. We got a problem. Dad was willing to give me up. And I was not willing to submit to that. If you can't lay yourself down, you're not qualified to feel your purpose on your life. Talking about relationship. Are you willing to be seed? If your name's never in lights, if you never get on a platform, if you never see a soul saved through your ministry if you if you never see the dream that maybe you feel are you willing to be seed so that your children can see and forgive me but I'm touched I'm touched by this because I know many fathers that are not willing to be seeds for their kids. But yet I also know many kid, kids that are not willing to submit to their fathers. And in that relationship there's an impasse that will not ever happen. Or that stops the flow of God's blessing. 
the only thing God does not have that I can only give is my willingness to obey. God doesn't have that. No one else can do it for me. I've got to be willing to lay my life down. My life, my life, my life. Abraham gave up all of his wisdom to obey God. And Isaac gave up all of his strength. I'm going to say that again because you need to hear this. Abraham gave up all of his wisdom to obey God. Didn't make, it didn't make sense. God, you're going, you gave me a child. And now you want me to sacrifice this child. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't, that messes with my wisdom. But Abraham said, God, whatever it takes. And Isaac gave all of his strength. And it was harmony. You want great relationships? This is how you do it. This is how you do it. the person beside you. Father, we just thank you for the relationships that you've put in our life through this family. Father, I pray that you would show us what it looks like to lay down our lives for each other, God. Show us what that sacrifice looks like, God. Show us how to be servants to each other, to champion each other. Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for showing us what relationship looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, <laughs> that was good. I feel like I'm going to be chewing on that one all week. Everyone just give Pastor Jeff a round of applause. It's always so good when he gets to come and pour into us. I always just feel so blessed. Just a couple of quick announcements. Don't forget, next Sunday we have Sunday Fun Day. I'm so excited going to be a lot of fun. Just reach out to someone this week since we don't have house church or anything. Invite them over for dinner, coffee, whatever. Just just reach out to people and love on them. All right, ministry team, if you guys want to go ahead and come up. We'll have people down here to pray for you. Bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.